Hello, my name is Jordan and I'm your host of Forever Blooming and today is going to be filled with a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of heavy topics, heavy research. So if you don't like where that is going, then you might as well strap in your seatbelts or you might as well not seatbelt yourself in and get out of the car, I guess. Because <laughs> today we're going to be talking a lot about some overly stigmatized mental health conditions. And this is basically just going to be me and my little nerd self rambling all about these stigmatized mental health conditions while also just providing a lot of uh, research around it. Um, today we're going to be discussing obsessive compulsive disorder, also known as OCD, which I will be um, referring to these conditions by their little acronyms, is that? Little abbreviations, that's what it is, um, instead of their full name, because obsessive compulsive disorder, I can see myself messing that up real quick. <laughs> so, and then after OCD, we'll talk a little bit about DID or dissociative identity disorder. And lastly, we're going to be talking about the big one, the most misunderstood one, schizophrenia. And I'm super excited to just give you all this information because I know a lot of people are confused about it. What is it? Um, especially just because of the amount of stigma around it. Nobody really talks about the details within these disorders. So yeah, I'm super excited to have you tune in and listen and gain that knowledge because we'd love to see it. But before we get started, I will, of course, go into our Rose Thorn Bug segment. And for those of you who don't know, a rose is a highlight success small win or something positive that happened today or within the last week. A thorn is a challenge you experienced or something you can use more support with. And lastly, a bud are some new ideas that have blossomed or something that you're looking forward to knowing more about or experiencing. And of course, we always do these before the episode starts just to kind of bond and connect before the real deep subjects. And also be sure to do your own little rose thorn bud so you're constantly checking in with yourself and making sure that you are mentally okay as well as just reminding yourself that there is some hope for the future because we love to see it. <laughs> So I will get started. My rose of the week. Oh man, that's um, that's kind of been a hard time. Actually, you know what? I'm gonna start off with my thorn because there has been a lot going on recently. I've been in a bit of a depressive episode just due to a lot of stress with college and like the impending doom that is the next chapter of my life. But. I'm also going to say that's also a bud because I'm definitely looking forward to college. Um, I'm definitely looking forward to also expanding Forever Blooming, just working really hard on Forever Blooming. And because if you don't know, I graduate in January, so from January 2022 and August of 2022, I will just be chilling. I will be chilling. I'm looking forward to that because I have had so much stress with school. I do not want to deal with that for a couple months and then I'm going to go off to college. <laughs> but yeah, 
Um, so yeah, that was my thorn and bud. I'm going out of order this episode, but you know, it's, it's okay. We, we, we have fun a little bit. And, um, my rose though, if I had to pinpoint what my rose would be this week or the last week, I would probably have to say today, honestly, because as I mentioned, I was going through a little bit of depressive episode, but today I kind of just got a lot of inspiration to get up and do a lot and be productive with which i haven't been able to do recently because you know i've been feeling just like sleeping all day and doing nothing all day because i feel sad and things like that but yeah i went to therapy i cleaned my room i planned this podcast episode I took a shower, I went out, I just did everything that I wouldn't really do or had the energy to do and push myself a bit. So I'm proud of myself. A little pat, I'm gonna pat myself on the back. <laughs> so without further ado, I will be going into our main, main, main segments of the episode. But of course, I gotta start off with a disclaimer that all the research used is based on United States statistics. When I do list a statistic, it is based on the United States, so it may be different or the same or below, depending on wherever you're from, wherever you live. And we love to hear that train go by at the dawn of the night. It's actually almost midnight, and I hate that this specific time of night. The trains always come by. Why? Leave me alone. I'm trying to spread information here. <laughs> but um, starting off, I do want to say education is elevation. I just want to say that I am planning on recording this episode or am recording this episode just so we can, of course, reduce the mental health stigma because a lot of mental health stigma stems from a lot of people not understanding or just being ignorant or closed-minded to learning more about mental health conditions. So I would love to help alleviate that stigma by educating others. And it also just helps you be more empathetic towards people, which I feel like if we're more empathetic towards people and their conditions, then you can also just learn to be more open-minded and know that you are not the center of the world. And there are a lot of people who have different issues than you and you learn that certain things that might be okay for you might not be okay for someone else. So that's obviously a very good thing to be aware of, especially being self-aware of what you can do and what somebody else may not be able to do. And of course, this can just help you support others in need because if you're not educated about a mental health condition, then you're not able to really help somebody in need, <laughs> you know. So, of course, supporting others through their own mental health journey is very, very essential because sometimes I know as a person with mental health conditions, it can be very lonely, very cumbersome if you're just dealing with it by yourself and overwhelming, that is. So, yeah, that I just wanted to give that little, little note before we start. Um, but we will get to the main stuff. First, we will be talking about OCD, which again is just obsessive compulsive disorder. So I just want to start off and talk a little bit about the signs and symptoms of OCD. 
So it can be characterized about a lot of um, unwanted negative thoughts and fears, which you can define that as obsessions that lead you to do a lot of repetitive behaviors, which is the compulsion part of it. So obsessive compulsive disorder. Some of the common themes in unwanted thoughts and fears can, can include the fear of contamination or dirt, just germs in general or a difficulty tolerating uncertainty, just being afraid of what might happen in the future, what might go wrong in the future specifically, or a needing for things to be in order or just symmetrical due to a fear of something negative happening if something isn't in order or symmetrical, some aggressive or horrific thoughts about losing control and harming yourself or others, and other unwanted thoughts about aggression, sexual things, or religious sort of topics, and not doing certain compulsions can just lead to a lot of fear of something worse happening, as I said before. And these symptoms can definitely worsen due to a lot of stress the person might be experiencing. And if you want to get down and dirty, I'm never saying that again, but if you want to know the causes of OCD, um, you got to know that it's mainly a genetic thing, honestly. People who have a parent or sibling or child with OCD are definitely at higher risk of developing OCD and I do want to say that in some of the studies that include or have been researching about OCD have associated it a little bit with childhood trauma but I definitely would take that with a grain of salt because more research needs to be done about its relationship to childhood trauma but again it's just mainly a genetic thing if you know somebody in your family or close close family that is if you have like a second cousin with OCD it doesn't really affect you that much but again if you have a close sibling or parent or a child with OCD you're at higher risk for developing it and it is extremely common in the US that is I was gonna say it's 1% right after saying that it's extremely common but within that one percent that means it affects 2.2 million adults so that one percent definitely <laughs> was bigger than expected because unfortunately again 2.2 million adults experience OCD so now we have to really question why is OCD stigmatized? Why do people look down on OCD in general? So I just want to start off. I know you have heard people on a daily basis or just on a weekly basis or just a monthly basis. You hear it as often. You have to have heard it as often as I do because I hear this so much. A lot of people minimize OCD despite it being just like severely deliberating like i know you have heard people say oh i'm just a little ocd about insert thing i'm a little ocd when it comes to cleaning my room I'm a little ocd about organizing my pencils like it's just a sort of disorder that can be defined just by cleaning or keeping things tidy as if it's just this minimal thing that people can control like Oh yeah, I just choose to be this neat and organized. I just choose to do this. I just choose to be nitpicky about this. 
and by minimizing it, it can create a lot of stigma because again, ignorance about a disorder can lead to a lot of people misunderstanding or minimizing it or just looking down on it in general. And when there again is a lot of misinformation, people might think that people with OCD are incapable of performing just normal tasks or just fulfilling societal duties like for example people with OCD fear that they might not be hired by a workplace because of their mental health condition they might fear that they're not right for the job because they have OCD or employers might fear that they won't be able to fulfill their duties because they have OCD and People just look at them as freaks in general, not even when it comes to the workplace or just school or things that uh, require you to fulfill duties. People just think that these sort of compulsions or repetitive behaviors and unwanted thoughts make them freaks and this in turn can just make people with OCD think that they are freaks for having these thoughts as well which we had an episode on internal mental health stigma so hey that's your cue to check it out <laughs> no but um yeah it can cause a lot of internal mental health stigma for somebody who has ocd which is obviously unjust you should never look down on yourself just because you have a mental health condition and you're definitely not a freak for having a mental health condition in general just in case you need to know, here's your reminder. You're not a freak for having OCD. You're not a freak for having depression, anxiety, schizophrenia, DID, anything, anything like that. And so we're just gonna get into a lot of the myths and just misconceptions about OCD in general. I know that I mentioned like a lot of misinformation can spread, so let's get down and dirty. I told myself I'm not gonna say down and dirty in the end, but here I am. <laughs> so a lot of people think that a person with OCG just means that they're extra tidy or they're just an extra clean person. But again, that just minimizes the disorder in general. OCD is characterized by a lot, a lot, a lot of repetitive and intrusive thoughts that just occur with this feeling of danger or fear of safety and just doubt in general. It's not simply just, again, oh, I'm choosing to reorganize my pencils this way because I just need it to be this way just because I want to. No. It's these repetitive and intrusive thoughts that lead them to have these compulsions and need to be orderly. And it doesn't always have to include germs or cleaning. It can also just include like ringing the doorbell three times just to alleviate something dangerous from happening to them or somebody that they know. And again, it just doesn't include cleaning and it doesn't mean that the person is just extra tidy either even if it is compulsions around cleaning and things like that and <laughs> this myth makes me aggravated <laughs> very aggravated because even as somebody who doesn't have OCD I have been told this as a person with anxiety a lot of people think that people with OCD just need to be more relaxed just oh just chill out a little bit just get over it no no if it was that simple I'm sure we would take that route I'm sure we would 
<laughs> and I know that a lot of people with OCD can hide their symptoms, but even if they hide it well, that doesn't mean they're not struggling. That doesn't mean that they can just relax or just get over it simply through the snap of their fingers. And again, this is just very similar to other mental health conditions. A lot of people who don't suffer with certain mental health conditions can think that, oh, just, just get over it. Like for example, with depression, a lot of people can just say, oh, oh, just meditate. Oh, just, just be happy. Just try to laugh, try to exercise. No, it's not that simple. <laughs> it's not that simple. <laughs> um, a third myth about OCD, however. Wow, I didn't know this was going to turn into like a ranty episode. But um, <laughs> the third con uh, myth about OCD is that OCD can come primarily from childhood. But again, it um, mainly, mainly, mainly stems from genetics and then again, experiences throughout life. As I said, there it has been some research with uh, childhood trauma, but there's again take that with a grain of salt because um, yeah, it's not really a general thing that everybody knows. More research needs to be done on that. But OCD can mainly grow from your teenage years specifically and onwards, so it doesn't stem primarily from childhood. And of course, we need to learn how to be supportive and how to help somebody with OCD instead of just giving all these facts. So the way that you can personally support somebody with OCD is just that you can try to assure them that OCD is treatable and that it can be worked on because I know a lot of the times with mental health conditions, you can just be stuck in your head. You can think that uh, your mental health condition will never get better, that you're just forever going to be this way because you have, you have experienced it for so long. But it can be treatable and it can be worked on, especially with professional help. And it's important just to encourage discussion about OCD listen to their symptoms, listen to what they're going through, don't dismiss them and their symptoms. Try to be as sympathetic as possible, even if you aren't somebody with OCD. Try to create that sort of supportive environment and acknowledge any sort of improvement that they have made. Because I know when you acknowledge growth, it can make the person feel proud of themselves and it can allow them to self-reflect on all that they have been doing to better themselves and try to treat their mental health condition. And another way is to try and maintain normal household routines because that can just help in general. But that being said, we can go ahead and talk a little bit about dissociative identity disorder or otherwise known as DID. So we're gonna go through that little process again. We know we're start, we'll start off with the characterizations with DID and a lot of noise is coming in the background so I apologize if you guys can hear it but um, DID is mainly characterized by somebody who has multiple distinct personalities or more specifically these alternate identities or I forgot what they're called alters that's what they're called people who have alters that help them cope with a lot of different situations especially a lot of difficult situations that they need to get through 
and it's very characterized by dissociation in general and these various identities or alters can control a person's behavior at different times because these alters have different personality traits different things to do to protect the person with the id if that makes sense they all have their specific duties specific personalities specific ways of behaving that if a person is switching alters then they'll switch personalities switch duties as well as that and did can also be characterized by a sense of detachment from your emotions or even just emotional numbness it can also be characterized by a lack of self-identity or a sense of self-identity i should say because you know if you're switching through various alters different identities then of course you're going to be a little lost about your own self and again lack of sense of self-identity and due to the dissociations there can be a lot a lot of memory loss just a lot of gap in their memories between switching alters and just dissociating in general and having these out-of-body experiences it can also cause delusions or even other mental health conditions such as depression or PTSD or anxiety etc and of course a lot of the causes of DID can stem from childhood trauma so DID mainly just develops as a way of coping with this trauma whether that's past present or future the childhood trauma mainly refers to just exposure to long-term physical sexual or emotional abuse but besides childhood trauma it can also just stem from natural disasters or just any experience with combat which again this is why there can also be a rise of other mental health conditions such as ptsd with the combat factor and more people have did that you than you might think honestly so at least one half to two percent of the population have did but that being said a lot of researchers suggest that 7% of the population have DID, but it remains undiagnosed. And that also has to do with a lot of just misdiagnosis as well. People who experience DID symptoms may go to a doctor and be diagnosed with something else because of reasons that I will get to in the, <laughs> in the other uh, sections of the episodes. But why is DID really stigmatized? let's ask ourselves that so as you can tell if you've ever been exposed to people with did just on a regular basis without like having knowing somebody personally with did you can obviously go to a lot of information on the media whether that is social media or tv shows or movies but you can also find a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of misrepresentation within movies about DID or TV shows. There is a specific movie called Split that has given out a lot of misrepresentation about DID. There has also just been, as far as the misrepresentation goes, a lot of people say that DID stems from 
being possessed by the devil or being possessed by demons and you have to be exercised which a lot of the time appears in the church which a lot of the time just appears when engaging in religious conversations which is <laughs> might i add just the dumbest thing and i mean no disrespect to anybody who practices a religion i just think that if you simply just think that the cause of a mental health condition is because of being possessed like otherworldly figures it just it just doesn't make sense to me <laughs> it, it doesn't make sense to me but I, I don't know I'm not religious so I can't really I can't really go into that mindset but DID has been researched thoroughly and there has a lot there's been a lot of people discovering like specific causes of it and just listening to people with DID's experiences and you can know that it's a lot more than just being possessed by otherworldly figures as I said and a lot of people think that people with DID or Two-Face specifically and you can see that in a lot of villains a lot of villains are described as Two-Face a lot of villains are described as having, as having this evil side and the good side and then described as to have DID which is first of all very 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 what's the word I'm, I'm looking for it makes people with DID look extremely bad as if their personalities are something that make them evil like they're a good person that have evil alters or separate identities which is not true <laughs> not true at all did aren't these like evil masterminds out there um, and a lot of people in general think that did is just made up like it's something that somebody created one day was like oh yeah this is just my little form of entertainment like I i'm just i'm just having fun i'm just creating these multiple personalities that i created just on my own will just for fun just to have a little laugh when no 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 <laughs> again it's literally used as a sort of coping mechanism with the sort of trauma that they experienced in the past or even the present or the future just trying to deal with horrible situations and trying to deal with their trauma it's it's not fun and it never should be characterized as fun or even form of entertainment but I can rant on about that all day every day so I mean I'm I'm gonna stop right there <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm not gonna rant for the rest of the episode <laughs> so let's go over some myths and a lot of misconceptions that people have about DID so again people think DID is extremely rare or it either doesn't exist which you can literally check online for a lot of research articles about DID, studying DID, and just a, about a lot of medical professionals confirming that it does exist and that it is highly present within those who have experienced childhood trauma or just past trauma in general. The, the research is there. <laughs> you, you just gotta go to good old Google. Google will tell you everything. Google is your best friend. <laughs> so, um, myth two is that DID is mainly characterized as a personality disorder. So, a personality disorder is really just characterized a lot about 
the way that you think, about the way that you perceive things, but the difference is that DID is mainly characterized with dissociation and just experiencing those sort of hallucinations, delusions, um, dissociating and experience just out-of-body experiences in general that's very unlike personality disorders. And it's pretty much defined as just a loss of oneself due to these sort of dissociative states. And lastly, a myth, another myth that people have about DID is that it's just like this very obvious, very apparent thing. But it actually is very, very likely that a person with DID will receive up to four incorrect diagnosis until they are actually diagnosed with DID. It's mainly because the symptoms can be very hard to navigate, very hard to explain to other people, and it can even just vary between people in general, which can happen with a lot of mental health conditions, but this condition specifically has very unique symptoms and again can vary very differently depending on the person who you're talking to. And of course, we need to know how we can support people with DID. How can we make them feel safe, validated, heard, seen, etc. So the best thing you can try to do is just be patient and understanding of like what they're going through. Try not to dismiss what they're going through, not to minimize their problems as if they're all just making it up in their head, as if they're just doing this for some sort of entertainment, especially not considering them doing this for attention or anything like that because that can create a very negative and very unsafe atmosphere to even live in. The best way you can learn about it or even understand it can be just to learn about their alternate identities or their alters per se. And that is only with their permission. A person with DID does not have to tell you about their alters they don't have to go into it with you it's not a requirement so just ask them if they are willing to talk about their alternate identities try to understand it and be patient again and create this sort of safe and soothing environment for them and it's also important to try and keep them safe specifically because I know that with a lot of alternate identities, of course, they come in a lot of different shapes and sizes, but some of the alters can be in the form of children and or they're just not mature enough and they can blindly follow strangers' orders or just do dangerous things in general that would not be safe for them. So it's important to look over them and try to keep them safe depending on which alter they switch to or even just in general try to keep them safe and try to also find them the right support that they need because I know that it can be an overwhelming thing for somebody to try and help when they cannot help to the fullest extent as much as a therapist or a psychiatrist can. So yeah, you can do your best to try and listen, be patient, learn more about it, keep them safe, and just try to find them the right support that they need. And lastly, we are at our final, final uh, mental health condition that is overly stigmatized, that is very well and misunderstood. It is schizophrenia. And of course, if you do want to see another episode about these different mental health conditions, please let me know. Email us or just drop a comment below. 
try to contact us any way we can and we can try to produce another episode like this because I love to educate you guys and reduce that sort of stigma due to a lot of misinformation or just lack of understanding in general. So that being said, we're going to go step by step learning more about schizophrenia. What is schizophrenia? What is it characterized by? What are the signs and symptoms of schizophrenia? Well, I know the exact answer. I will give that to you right now. So schizophrenia is often characterized by a lot of anxiety, restlessness, weakness, lack of energy, headaches, changes in school or work performance, and a lot of strange sensations or confused, strange, or bizarre thinking. And this is mainly like before the first break or also known as the first psychotic break, but I also don't like that terminology, so I just like first break in general. But it usually takes time for the symptoms of schizophrenia to sort of set in before their first break and their first break can conclude symptoms of hallucinations or delusions, a loss of a sense of reality and just like their inter like their internal sort of perceptual distortions of how they view life or just their sort of loss of reality gradually affecting their outer actions. So basically what's inside their head can also appear outside of them and making causing them to lose a sense of reality as I said. So what causes schizophrenia though? There is a lot of research regarding what the cause of schizophrenia is but it really is just a lot of factors that we can't really narrow it down to specifically. So some factors can include some physical, genetic, psychological, and environmental factors. And we can also note that children who experience severe trauma are three times as likely to develop schizophrenia later in life. But it can also just be a um, disorder of the brain like um, experiencing complications before or during the birth and not having these like having these subtle differences in the brain that is and it also tends to run in families so a lot of different um, characteristics or factors that can go into the cause of schizophrenia but we don't know the exact pinpoint cause of schizophrenia just yet or maybe we never will but those are some causes of schizophrenia and a lot of people or a lot more people than you expected again the 1.2 percent is bigger than the actual <laughs> what you might actually think 3.2 million people have schizophrenia or have been diagnosed with schizophrenia not include those not including those who remain undiagnosed but still that is a very very large percentage so let's get into why schizophrenia is stigmatized so a lot of people assume that schizophrenia causes people to be violent, which is extremely not true. It's, I, I laugh because it's just like, I don't know, it's, I feel like people sort of dehumanize those with schizophrenia and make them seem like this violent, outrageous person or people or violent group that just are people that we should be afraid of, people that are unpredictable, people that 
are extremely violent that you should stay away from, which is severely not true. I think the only reason why a person with schizophrenia can really be violent is if they're affected by other things outside schizophrenia, like for example, they suffer from substance or drug abuse. That can naturally make someone violent and that's just not because of their schizophrenia. If somebody has schizophrenia and substance or drug abuse, then yes, they can be violent, but that is not due to their schizophrenia, that is due to their substance or drug abuse, because even people without schizophrenia that have substance or drug abuse also tend to be violent, because that's usually a side effect of that. Or the person with schizophrenia is just a violent person like a person without schizophrenia can tend to be violent due to factors within their life. So schizophrenia itself does not specifically make you violent as many many people think. Especially people who have watched these movies and saw somebody who was schizophrenic and saw that they were violent. Oh so everybody with schizophrenia has to be violent. No, no, no. That, uh, that's not how that goes. <laughs> And at least 64% of people think that you just have this split personality and this also just lends back to the perception of DID. A lot of people think that people with schizophrenia or are two-faced and have this split personality between this normal and just bizarre behaviors between normal behaviors and evil behaviors and it's not that simple at all it's just not that in general i don't know why i said it's just not simple no you you don't have a split personality if you're schizophrenic and so let's just go over a little bit more about myths or just a lot of misconceptions about schizophrenia so a lot of people confuse schizophrenia with did and it's important to notice that there's a distinction between schizophrenia and DID. Schizophrenia is more of a thought disorder and it confuses fantasy with reality. While as we learned before, DID is somebody who has these distinct uh, alters and different uh, identities that lead them to have different behaviors and different uh, mannerisms, different coping mechanisms to protect that person from their trauma. So while these different alters exist in people with DID, people with schizophrenia just have specific thoughts that might distort their reality and might confuse their reality with fantasy. So they're definitely two different distinct things. And Again, the myth that violence is extremely common of people with schizophrenia is just entirely wrong and it is very rare even and people with schizophrenia are even more likely to be victims either if it's due to stigma or hate crimes and things like that. And this stigma could include just like lack of social benefits, just like housing or shelter due to all of this misconceptions around um, schizophrenia or just social skills in general about talking or making friends do their schizophrenia or just other stigma around schizophrenia in general they're more likely to be victims than they are to be dangerous for others and myth three is that a person with schizophrenia experiences like 
these dramatic changes like one day they just pop up with this first break and just start acting all unpredictable and violent and scary and having these dramatic changes that appear out of nowhere no no it's very, it's very different that actually a lot of people with schizophrenia experience symptoms gradually over time like the confusion about these symptoms slowly builds up and then it shows externally rather than internally so you can notice these changes of the person within their schoolwork or their work or just them having these sort of not normal behaviors to what they usually act like having these sort of difference differences in levels of anxiety or differences in their lack of energy or just their thinking in general so these sort of small changes can lead and build up to their first break which can cause the hallucinations and delusions and uh, loss of sense of reality so it's not like this dramatic change that happens one day and they're never the same again no it's it slowly builds over time and let's see how you can personally support somebody with schizophrenia it's definitely 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 important outside of this episode that you learn more about schizophrenia and look at the resources provided look at what it is like living with schizophrenia learn about other people's stories because that's the best way you can try to understand it from an outside perspective especially even talking with somebody with schizophrenia that can be such an enlightening experience and it is just important to stay connected to them if you know somebody with schizophrenia who just experienced their first break it's not good to just cut them off it's not good to pretend like you don't know them anymore just because you experience this very traumatic and very scary moment of their life it's important to stay connected and try to give them as much can support as you can after their first break as and try to help them make a crisis plan especially like for example if they do have another break then well I wouldn't say break because technically the first break but if they do just have another sort of phenomenon where they're experiencing these intense sensations such as hallucinations or dissociation etc then you can help them make a crisis plan in case it happens again like um, numbers they can call for their therapist or psychiatrist or just their symptoms that they experience or their medications that they can take just in case another I don't know the word for it phenomenon happens I don't I don't know the word for it but I'm sure you understand and it's in addition to just staying there and being there for them it's important to listen and validate their experience do not dismiss their experiences as something that was just this crazy wild and dangerous thing that they experienced try to say that they are valid in what they're going through that you shouldn't be ashamed of what you're going through and I understand that it's a very overwhelming thing then I will try to be there as best as I can for you and I will try to give you the support that you need and in, in addition to the therapist or a psychiatrist that you are able to be connected with and sometimes people with schizophrenia can have a very difficult time expressing emotion because of stigma or just because of the fear in general so 
if you're listening and validating them with every step of the way, it can just provide a lot of encouragement to get through what they're going through, a lot of support, a lot of love, and that's very important to somebody who may be struggling with a mental health condition. And that being said, unfortunately, it is the end of the episode and I really really loved learning about these conditions because I myself did not know a lot about schizophrenia, um, a lot about OCD, dissociative identity disorder, DID, and so I'm learning with you guys so I love that we can both share this experience together and I do again encourage you to learn more about these conditions outside of this episode. In fact, you can learn more about all three of these mental health conditions by clicking the link to our research down below because our research is always provided down below in every single episode just so you can learn more outside of our episodes. And I just want to give a huge, 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 huge thanks to all of the Forever Blooming researchers on our team for putting this information together so eloquently, so amazingly. I'm pretty sure that's not even a word, but they deserve it. It's just been a huge help. I cannot do this alone. And it's all thanks to them that they are, uh, that I'm able to even release this episode to you guys. So huge thanks to them. Love them. They're amazing. Awesome people. (laughs) So now for our closing remarks as we end off this episode. We do have a website. It is called bloompod.wixsite.com slash podcast. If you want to check out more about us, you can find out us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, all at Forever Bloom Pod, plus TikTok at Forever Blooming Podcasts. The research, as I said before, and transcript for this episode is on Forever Blooming's website in the extra section. Our podcast guest form is in our episode section if you want to be on Forever Blooming, as well as our audience spotlight form where you can ask for advice to be featured in one of our episodes and our email is management at foreverbloompod.org please let us know of any of your thoughts questions and how we can improve the podcast because we love hearing from you be sure to check out fbpod.card.co and that is card with two o's for all of our easy accessible links make sure to like comment subscribe and share with your friends if you enjoyed this episode and have a great day afternoon or night whenever you're listening to this thanks for tuning in